Let's, let's do it this way. We'll sing it, run it through first time. Don't sing the last piece, last phrase there, a new look at God's word. Then we'll go back and we'll sing it again. And then sing that final uh, phrase there, a new look at God's word, okay? chapter 2. We are in 1 John chapter 2 verse number 15. All right, let's pray before we begin our study this morning. Father, we thank you for giving us the freedom to be in church. We pray for your blessings on the word today. Uh, teach us, remind us, show us things we need to know. Maybe not new things, but things we need to know. So bless your word. Give us open hearts and minds to receive what the Bible says. And we pray that you bless people who are, have come already. And we then pray for others who are on the way. Thank you, Father, for giving us the Bible. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, that course that he did, uh, a new look, I don't think it means look at it differently, but maybe look at it at the end to be refreshed by it. A lot of people read the Bible and they get all kind of new interpretations of the Bible that is against fundamental basic methods of 
biblical interpretation. So that song probably just means keep it fresh and keep it in your mind all the time. Oh, I'm sweating right now. I don't know why. Is the AC on? Yeah. Ooh, must be that powerful coffee. Maybe it's that bacon and that banana bread. Oh boy. First John chapter two, verse number fifteen. Let's look at that. It says, "If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him." Last week or the week before, we had a video last week. Last week, but the week before, uh, we identified the world, what it is, and it is not the physical, the mountains, the waters, and so on. It is the system of the world. We've established that. It is the mindset, the philosophy, the rudiments of, the traditions of, the spiritual moral status quo in a hostile world that is against Christ. That's the world. Uh, not everyone is against the Christian, but the system itself, <coughs> the educational system, the moral philosophies, uh, deterioration of the Christian's values, spiritually and morally, that is a part of the world. And so we've identified that. And the Christian is in the world, but we're not of the world. And so much of the New Testament epistles by the Apostle Paul, he talks about, as he planted churches, he talked about how they should continue in the Word and how his emphasis a lot of times is about growing in the Lord and not just being saved. Being saved is the most important thing. But after that, there is a long life to grow into to become Christ-like. And so we're in the world, but not of the world. Look at verse number 16, 216. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And let us pretend to understand this verse about being in the world, but not of the world. Let us pretend all of us today as New Testament Christians, born again spiritually by the Holy Spirit, let us pretend that we are Jews. Let us all imagine that we go back to the Old Testament. We have just entered the promised land, the land of Canaan. Let's pretend this. Imagine crossing the Jordan River. We're now into the, the new land that God promised us. And even before we entered the land, as Jews, we were given some commandments to obey God when we come into the land to not do certain things. But not doing certain things involved not mingling with the inhabitants of Canaan, those heathen nations that practiced idolatry, those heathen nations that had traditions that were not conducive to the Hebrew court religion. And we are now in the land of Canaan, if we pretend to be like this, and we are to be occupying our land, conquering our land, but never to be entangled by the inhabitants of the land. What they do by religion, what they do by lifestyle, uh, we don't do that as Hebrews, as Jewish people. And so this is just to understand, help us understand, in this world, we are Christians. We're not Jews. Now, in the Bible, we, it teaches that there is the Jew, the Gentile, and the church. We are the church, the spiritual body of Christ. We're not Jews. And so Jews are still Jews. I'm just trying to explain that if we were to place ourselves in that situation of the Old Testament, we would have a similar type of command not be entangled in this world. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul talked about this in 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy, about as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, not being entangled with the affairs of this lifetime. He is simply saying, we're here for not to be immersed into the culture in, in the world system like that. Okay, so that's where we are, 1 John chapter 2. Now, the church is the body of Christ spiritually, and when we got saved as New Testament Christians, we're placed into the body of Christ. Now, if you be a Jew or a Gentile, 
it doesn't matter because when you get born again spiritually, you're placed into the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. That tells us that the physical, the biological, makes no difference to God in the sense of the spiritual relationship to God. You're born again, okay? I hope you get that clear. Today, people are trying to blend the Jew, Old Testament Jew, the Jewish people, with New Testament Christianity, meaning that you are, you are, uh, we have replaced the Jewish promises. We have not. They have promises still to be fulfilled regarding the land. We have spiritual promises in Jesus Christ. And so there's a big distinction here. All right, so we are to be separated uh, from the world in 1 John 2, love not the world, the things of the world, separated from the world. We keep our distinction in this world like the Jews were to keep their distinction in the land of promise. I hope you understand that part. There's a parallel there. Here we are in this world, which is anti-Christ, but we live here, but not to be all the world where we blend into and adopt his philosophies so that we have uh, we have corroded our Christian distinctives so that we can become more like the world or, or because we're becoming more like the world. So we cannot do that like the Jews could not do that in the Old Testament. I hope that's clear. I hope you see the parallel there. And so uh, in John 17, 15, look at that verse with me. John 17, 15. When Jesus was praying to his Father in this prayer, he says in verse number 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. So once again, we are reinforced the truth that for the New Testament Christian, we are to be in the world, serving the Lord, being ambassadors for Christ, be salt and be light, but yet, while we're doing that, be distinct, people of God, don't blend with the world in its, in its ways, in its philosophies, and don't be, don't be caught up with what is important to the world, because what's important to the world is not important to the Christian. There's a great big difference here. And so what the world goes after, the Christian does not go after. And so um, we're in the world, but not of the world. Now let's look at this, verse number 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now there is real good clear teaching from the Apostle John here about the Christian's place in this world and the world's place and the Christian's emphasis in the world. Um, in the natural world, when I see videos of lions and tigers and leopards, you know the leopard's a very vicious animal and leopards, they can climb up trees. If they catch their prey, they will climb up a tree and put their prey up there and play with it. Here's a dangling baby antelope. He has killed it. But he takes up the tree and he puts it in a branch and he, he paws at it, he licks it, he nudges it, picks it up again like he's showing off like he's a, a mouser. He's very proud. But then if a leopard comes by or another uh, uh, lion or something, they, a leopard can climb up so fast. I saw a bit of a lion, uh, uh, a leopard that caught his prey and he's just proud and then he turns like this looks down, here's another up coming up. It climbs up in in split second, and they, they fight, and they fall to the ground, they tumble, and they're wrestling and fighting, and uh, they're just like, it's their nature. It's their nature. I have seen, to emphasize the nature of the world, I think that 
the nature of animals to make me understand clearly that this world is not our friend. It's got a nature to it, it's got a system to it, that it'll always be this way. Just like these animals in the wild, they're always like that. One of the grossest animals to ever watch, reptiles, is the Komodo dragon. You know, the Komodo dragon is, I don't know, see I do have questions, why God put a Komodo dragon on the ark? I just don't understand. But they will go real slow, the, the long tongue shoots out like that, and you have to be a little spooky, you know, like that. And that thing, will, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be very stationary until it makes its move, and they'll hunt turtles, fish, other kind of animals. And you know what they do? When they get to them, they move so fast, and they grab, and once they grab their jaws onto their prey, they don't let go. And before the animal, the animal is still alive, and the, the Komodo drag will, will, will let go, and then it'll go more and more into its body. And pretty soon this whole big animal, whatever it is, is in its body alive. That's the nature of a Komodo drag. Very disgusting. Very disgusting. They bite, they're poisonous, they bite this, and they will paralyze their prey. You're dead if they get a hold of you. They can swim like a crocodile in the water. They are more fast, they're so fast, you don't believe how they can, they're dangerous animals. That's their nature. Now, the world is like a Komodo dragon, if I may. It's like a leopard, if I may. It's the nature of this world to be against a Christian, and it tends to corrode our values, our morality. It tends to corrode us and decay what we know is good and right and holy and Christ-like. That's the nature of the world. Now, uh, the lust of the flesh, he says in verse number 16, the lust of the flesh. Now, every man here, every woman here, we have the same kind of flesh made out of the dirt of Adam. And we have a nature, too, that is of the Adamic nature. And our nature has a tendency to want to go back into this world, to want to do things that we know is wrong to do. That is our nature. An unsaved man has that nature. A saved man has the nature. So if you're born again, you have not killed. Your old nature is still in you. You have within you this nature that is of Adam. It has a tendency to want to disobey, has a tendency to want to do what it wants to do, regardless of what is right to do. That's the nature. And this world's uh, system is uh, very cooperative in which it encourages your flesh to do wrong. And so potentially any Christian here can do the worst sins imaginable that a lost man can do, potentially. Now, why is it then we don't? Well, we have some deterrence in our life. Well, we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have the Word of God for us exterior to, to influence us. And we have prayer. We have other factors that helps us to not give in to the flesh. Just remember that your flesh has the potential to do the most unimaginable wickedness in this world. Now, some people believe that you would never do what people who get incarcerated for would do. I'll never do that. We may really believe that, and likely we will not. But if we don't have our flesh disciplined, under control, have things in place to discourage the flesh taking over, um, restrain us, then potentially a Christian can go back into the world. His flesh should be attracted to the things of the world. That's the world's job to get us to do, to do wrong, deliver wrong, to sin against God, causing God to punish us. And that's the nature of the world and the nature of our flesh. Um, we do assume that 
Now, I'm, look, I'm not saying they're looking at people here who will sin tomorrow. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the potential is there in my flesh and in your flesh. But it's unlikely that, that you and I would do certain things because we have some things in our life to keep us, to restrain us, okay? A dog without a leash is a very dangerous animal. A dog on a leash is an animal that is restrained. So this is why dogs that are not trained, dogs that are going to act according to his nature, will act according to his nature. He'll go after kids, he'll go after other animals if it is unrestrained off of a leash. That's just common sense. And so our flesh is like that. It has to be restrained. It has to be in the leash. And uh, we have to uh, recognize that reality of our own selves. Do you know that I'm looking at people here that one day you're like this. Everything is good. And then something will click and something gets you to go from to your whole your whole countenance changes. That love that you had turns into vengeful uh, hate. It can turn so quickly if you're not careful. Have you heard the story about Dr. Jack and Mr. Hyde? What a picture of the old nature and the new nature. What a picture of a, a saved man, yet he has an old nature. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was based upon a real doctor named Dr. Johnson in England in the 19th century. Dr. Johnson was a socialite. He entertained at night, uh, black tie affairs was very common to him, had a large home in which he could entertain on the weekends, and he was very well respected. But after the party girls went home, he had a large lab in the back, through a back door. And unbeknownst to his guest, after he changed his clothes, put on his doctor's white coat, he'd go there and he would perform things that at the time would be, oh, I can't believe a man could be so, you know, but that's, that's what it was based on with Dr. Johnson. And so the, 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 the strife within a man, and then he got potions, that could change him, personality changes and things. But then the potions began to lose its effect and he, he stayed he stayed the bad guy. And so that's like our flesh. So the world, the flesh. Now he says the lust of the flesh. Um, uh, we don't have to act upon the urge of the flesh. It's not a, you have to, but it is a powerful pull on the Christian to do wrong. Well, by the way, let me ask this question. Have you ever noticed sometimes you feel so spiritual? What's the last time you felt spiritual? You know what it felt like to feel spiritual? Okay, and then you're, I'll, I'll say you're on a high, and then something is said to you or not said to you on Monday. And your good feelings on Sunday, you're, Lord, I feel so close to you, and I feel, oh, oh the word of God is so, oh. and then on Monday, you go to work, good morning, good morning, and somebody says something to you, Someone blames you for something not done, and the superior, the boss, whoever they are, whoever he is, she is, they get down on your case. I want to talk to you right now. What happened? How come you didn't? I, and you get the blame for something, and all of a sudden, that euphoric feeling, you drop down below sea level, and you are so upset. So that's that's how we are sometimes. We have a flesh still. Now I'm not saying that when people do something wrong or you get accused of wrongdoing, and you're innocent, you don't have feelings about things because we do. But I'm just saying that there's a potential for that fuse to be lit, and that could be a potential explosion, and you, your testimony blown or uh, a 
relationship is, is damaged because of the flesh rising up. And so there are urges of everyone, in everyone, that has to be under control. The word is control. Now, this is not a humanistic concept, but that is common sense. That is, you just got to be this way. You just have to be. Uh, there's a man who got saved and he had a life that was very, uh, the word is disgusting. His life that was very disgusting and he got saved. And uh, the account is for 25 years he's been saved. He really did get saved. And every Sunday he would meet in the parking lot. His pastor would drive in, park. He'd always get there early, this man. who was, He'd meet his pastor, he'd always shake his head. This is the story. He'd always shake his head. He would always thank him for giving him the gospel. He did that all the time. And he says, thank you for preaching the truth. And because of the truth, I got saved. 25 years he's been saved. And he did tell his pastor, for 25 years since I've been saved, I have a urge to go back to the old life. He says, I have, a, I have this memory of what it was like in this, this wicked lifestyle. And he says, I still am tempted. After 25 years, he says, I spend two and a half, three hours a day trying to read my Bible. I get so distracted. I fight the distractions. I just read and read and read. I try to pray. I have a hard time praying, but I, I try to do it. I try to do those two things that helps me to grow. He says, I've grown. But after 25 years, Pastor, he says, after 25 years, I still have urges. When I see certain things, when I feel certain, I still have urges. But he says, I got to fight it. You know what that tells me? This is very important. To have a basic self-control of some things in your life because the world appeals to your flesh. So the lust of the flesh is a problem. Come to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I think you know where I'm going with this one. Galatians chapter 5. This is the famous passage about the fruit of the Spirit, but also we have the fruits of the flesh. Look at verse number 16. Galatians 5, 16 to begin. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, which is referred to in John, uh, 1 John chapter 2. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary. Contrary. Think boxing match. Think tug of war. Think enemy. Think football. Think baseball. Think sports competition. One team against another team. One player against another player. They are contrary one to the other. They are not friends. They're not compatible. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Because one is against you. The word is against you. And it tries to hinder you. Verse 18. But if you be led of the spirit. You are not under the law. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Uh, Paul is about to explain to you. To, to show you. What the flesh does uncontrolled. Unchecked. Unhindered. Without restraint. Here's what the flesh would do. Verse 19. The works of the flesh are. Manifest. Which are these? Adultery. Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, 
These are sins of the flesh. And it says, if you don't walk in the Spirit, if you don't have any self-control, then these things will take place, potentially. Verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, verse 21, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, in other words, and other things, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in past time. And so you have a, a statement about the lust of the flesh and what it can lead to. Now, notice one thing missing from this passage. What is missing from this passage in Galatians? If you come back to verse number 19, 20, 21, something is missing. Something is missing. To what does Paul attribute these sins? You know who's missing? That's missing. That's missing. To whom does he attribute these sins? What's missing? Take a guess. Satan. Sorry? Satan. Satan is not involved in these fleshly acts. It's the flesh. That tells us a lot that our flesh itself is our biggest uh, problem. Right. Look in the mirror and you see your problem. That's right. You cannot look at the mirror and say, the devil made me do it. Sometimes, but he doesn't say that over here. You cannot say, I fell off the wagon. I went back to drugs. I went back because of the devil. You cannot say that. Over in the prison, everybody blames the devil. It's an, he's an easy excuse. The woman that thou gavest me, Lord. <laughs> no, the mirror says, I see what I see. And so that's what he's saying. So you have to guard yourself from the things that will pull at your flesh. Mm -hmm. The world pulls at your flesh. There are, there are sports that are just not good to see because they pull at your flesh. Uh, in the name of sports, there's all kinds of ways that people appear that are just like, you know what, not necessary. You may like the sport, but the sport is... There's something going on where it makes people think certain things. Not necessary. So, come to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Right now, we are looking at the cause of our problems is ourselves, the flesh, the world tempts our flesh and causes us to give in to the temptations. We have to have some self-control have to have some basic common sense. Not disregarding the spiritual, of course, because we're to walk in the spirit. But if you walk in the spirit, I my my suspicion is you have to have some self-control as you walk in the spirit. As a matter of fact, to walk in the spirit, you must have self-control to try to walk in the spirit. Uh, 
Here, take this call. It's it's a. Uh... His name is John. What was I saying? This is why I turn your phone off in church because you make me lose my train of thought. The train derail. What was what was I saying? Well, yeah, you have to have self-control, and because to walk in the spirit that involves some discipline for spiritual disciplines to take place. You cannot be out of control. Now, come to 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse number 11. Peter said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. What does Peter say here? Well, he's he's identifying that the flesh is a problem. He's identifying another thing. You, the pilgrim, the stranger in this world, oh, good thought. We're in this world, but not of the world. We're, we're passing through as strangers and pilgrims. This just land that we're going through because our goal is over here, heaven. And he says here, we must while we're in this world, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. So we have a responsibility as Christians to, well, simply, the word is this. It's, it's, no is a word that we don't hear too often in modern family raising uh, in this world system. Everything is uh, appeased the child. Everything is uh, given to the child so that the child knows that you love the child so that there's no such thing anymore um, as no, which is to say, no, you, you can't do that. You can't do that. No, no, no. But no is a good word because it expresses having some self-control. Do you know that no? Do you know that no is a good, good thing? Um when people get what they want all the time, it does something to them. There's an expectation that I get everything I want. It's as if everything I want is good to get. But that is not true, is it? When you were young and you asked for a certain thing and your parents said no, you thought. But later on you said, oh mom, I'm glad I'd get my Hershey candy before breakfast because that would ruin my appetite. Yeah, so now you have um, uh, Captain Crunch, you know, just as much sugar, I guess. <laughs> but when you were told no, I didn't like it when I was a boy. I didn't like it when my dad told me no. You know, I was told no about playing baseball when I was about 12 or 13. I was told no. When it came time for junior varsity football at school, public school, I wanted to play. I didn't know anything about playing. I just played and learned how to play. And my mom said no because you get hurt. I think what she's afraid of, if I got hurt, I couldn't help, help I couldn't help them. Carry the water bucket, do this, do that. I couldn't do that. I think that was the more behind it. I think um, my parents had a lot of kids because that means a lot of free labor. You think I'm kidding? You, you just don't know the labor that we did growing up. Can I tell you a story? Over by the county elementary school, like toward the graveyard, they're clearing out subdivision. They're chopping all these Calvary trees. You know what my dad did? He drove his car 
the sedan up there with the two cane knives. He had one and we had to have one too. We go down there, chop down these trees. Cabinwood burns long and it burns hot. And so we fill the back seat of the car, the trunk of the car with these pieces of Calvary wood. In the backyard, they built a little platform of concrete so they could do two 55 gallon drums of boiling water and she'd cook these things, the Chinese dish called Jung. And she'd make a bunch of them. We'd have to clean up the tea leaf that she bought for Chinatown. Wipe off all the mildew, black mildew. Wipe off all the black mildew. The sponge that we used was black. The water that we squeezed, it was all black. Sometimes I said, you know, I gotta, I don't want to play at the park, and so um, I would, I would cut corners. The, the tea leaves would be soaked in water to moisten and reduce the mildew, and I just, you know, who's gonna know if I just, I don't clean, I just them, just like washing dishes, <laughs> real easy. And then I didn't, I didn't think about not getting off the black stuff. Boy, did I get it with the belt because it was very evident I was just you know, trying to get by to play ball. But um, they don't want me to play ball because it might get hurt. Collarbone especially with a problem because you have to tackle people in football. And I like to do that when I was a boy. But uh, my mom said, no. My dad said, oh, let him play. <laughs> and when it came to baseball, especially, he said, no, he can play. My mom's afraid of me getting hit in the face, broken nose, broken cheekbone, and then the collarbone again by a hard hit ball. She didn't want me to play. My dad said, you can go play. So I played, you know, 10, 11, around that age, and then JV, and then varsity. And so I never did get hurt, except my eagle got wounded a lot of times. <laughs> Busted eagles, very painful. Um, and then, so, what's the story about? No. Sorry? No. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, my mother said no, and it really bothered me that she wouldn't let me. I thought she hated me and didn't want me to play. No, she just wanted another free labor person. <laughs> I understand that later on. But when God tells you no, and when you say no to the flesh, you're better off. Sometimes yeah. sometimes what you want is not good for you. Right. Have you ever gotten a prayer answered and you really wanted to pray? You just begged God, you fasted, you said, Lord, I gotta have, I gotta have, I wanna please give me oh and you and you and you get it. And then you say, Why did you give it to me? Why did you allow me to marry this person? Why? Why? And, and you live to regret it. And so sometimes saying no is a hard thing to, to take, but it's the better thing for you. And um, can you think of incidences in your life, experiences where you demanded your way and you gave it, you got it from your parents and you said, Mom, I'm sick. Mom, why did me buy that dress? They laughed at me in school. Why let me buy that dress, Mom? Don't you, Mom, you hate me, don't you? And you're, you know, and we, we think like that. We're so immature, so short-sighted, so silly, and so selfish sometimes, we can't take no. You know, sometimes God tells you no when you pray. For the people who say, you get whatever you ask for, don't believe that. Don't believe that. This is your day. This is your day. It may not be your day. Uh, old Benny Hinn says, this is your day to be healed. Really? How do you know that? Because you're positive about it? Think this through. Think this through. Does God sometimes chastise people in the body because of sin? Do people sometimes get sick because of sin? Because of poor choices? Because they are reaping? Sometimes that happens, doesn't it? 
And so he says, this is your day to be healed. How do you know that? Do you know what God is thinking? Do you know what God is doing to these people? Sometimes it is not God's will for you to be healed. Because he is chastising them, he is buffing them, and they are suffering because they're going through a process of chastisement. You know what Hebrews talks about when talking about chastisement? It's not fun, it's grievous, it's grievous, it's grievous. Hebrews it's grievous for the time because this chastisement. So you cannot tell me that it's my time to be healed. It may not be. Sometimes God is saying no. I think I think the greatest Christian of all time prayed three times for our thorns to be removed from him, and God said no. My grace is sufficient for thee. That's a no. But it's not bad, but it's a no. So in 1 Peter, he says to abstain. 1 Peter 2, he says to abstain as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly love. That is what you and I do. That is our part. We cannot make an excuse and say, well, God didn't give me the victory. Well, maybe because you didn't give yourself the self-discipline to put some things in place in your life. Um, just don't have any control over the TV. No control over this. No control. You have no control. You're obsessed with it. You're hooked. You know what hook means? Like a fish get hooked. You're hooked. You can pull into this boat because you're hooked. It's not God's fault. It's not because the Holy Spirit. No, it's because uh, the Christian has no self-control. You're going to have to have self-control. Am I telling you the truth? It says abstain from. Abstain means to do what? Abstain. The Bible says, he says in First Thessalonians, abstain from all appearance of evil. Same word, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Stay away from. Don't participate. Stay away from it. Uh, let me tell you this. Some people are really foolish in their thinking. They have a problem, I'll, I'll say with alcohol. Alcohol is very addictive. They have a problem with smoking. Both are very addictive. Uh, could be anything else. But let's use alcohol. A person has a problem with that. He's trying to get the victory over that. And yet he never does because he always goes down places where they sell a lot of alcohol. He goes down Korea Moku Street. All those Korean bars. He looks up there and he sees the, 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 the lights and, the, and the, he thinks there's such... He has a problem with it, but he keeps going down there. What's wrong with you? You have no self-control. Could have been a long-standing habit, but you don't have to go down there anymore. And so certain things just pull at your flesh, and the devil, uh, the devil knows that, and the world by its nature is just tailor-made for your weaknesses. <laughs> That's the world. Now, I don't know what your weakness could be, but everyone's got some weaknesses. It's, you know that old chink in the armor? It's all that Achilles heel thing. Everyone's got one. Some people got more than one. For some people, it's temper. Temper just sets them up and they lose control. And for six hours, they're raging mad. Something triggers it. Well, you're going to have to have some common sense and some self-control to not let things trigger it. Other people could be, like I said, it could be multiple things. You just have to have some self-control. Okay? Maybe your, your problem is wasting time. Maybe 
maybe you just love sports so much, everything is about sports. Your happiness rises and falls in the Yankees. I don't believe I mentioned that name in church. Everything rises and falls, your happiness rises and falls in the, your team winning or this player winning. You gotta have some self-control, okay? All right, let's go back to the verses. Abstain, uh, uh, First Peter 2, abstain. There are some things gonna happen if you don't abstain. Can I tell you a funny story that's true, which makes the point about abstaining from certain things? During the BBS, we had a water balloon fight. I told the kids, do not get me wet. <laughs> well, that's an imitation, red flag for the bull. Don't get me wet. And I came up to certain boys, I said, I did this. Now look, whatever you do, don't get me wet. I'm gonna spank you if you get me wet. I'll serious as I can be. I told another person, don't get me wet. Whatever you do, don't get me wet. I cannot get wet. Don't get me wet. Okay, okay, okay. You know what happens when kids get water balloons get together? And you're in the vicinity? They get you wet. All of a sudden, these spiritual good kids, they get a conspiracy going on, and they attack from all directions, and I'm soaking wet, and I'm furious. And I'm going to retaliate and fight back, but I'm wet now. I didn't want to get wet. I got soaking wet. I should have done this. I should have abstained from the activity. Going up on the top, watch down below. Not be in the, the battlefield. That is a silly example of a truth. You have to abstain from certain things if you hope to not get involved in certain things. I'm telling you the truth. Right. Sometimes your friends get you into all kinds of wrong activities that are not really wrong at the beginning, but it leads to something very wrong. He right. says to abstain. Now come to Romans chapter 13. Get me wet. Okay, not my fault. <laughs> Romans 13, verse number 14. I suppose we're looking at ways of not giving into the flesh, not that the world tempts us in our flesh. Romans chapter 13, verse number 14. It says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision, our soul. <laughs> make not provision. Make not provision. Look at those three words. Make not provision. Don't provide for the flesh. Because when that happens, there's a fulfillment of the flesh. Amazon wish list. Amazon fulfillment center. There's a fulfilling of an order given online. And when you do not abstain from the things of the world and the things of the flesh, and you make, not, you make provision for it, you're going to get something that you really don't need to get. I was looking at some walking shoes, some running shoes the other day. I was going online, then went to Amazon. You know how you get these ads come on from everywhere? There's one about some shoes being in Hong Kong. I'm thinking, no, I won't buy shoes in Hong Kong because the size will be too small. And they, they advertise wide shoes. I have white feet, wide shoes, comfortable, slip on, and uh, the best one, and you know, good price, cheaper than I can buy locally. Then I went to another side. Another ad came up and said, these kind of shoes, something joy, something to it. And uh, $15, I said, well, they're almost 35000 And I'm looking, I go on Amazon, see it, and it says, it's on sale. And I'm thinking, I'm gonna go and check that out. But I never like to buy shoes online because I gotta try them on. Are you like me? Must My wife, she buys them online, she returns them. And I, I say, you know, if you can return without paying the shipping, you can try it, but not me. I gotta try shoes on. Okay, so anyway, I didn't buy anything because I was thinking, I got, I got two pair of walking shoes, uh, another pair of walking shoes, I got sandals. I said, I'm fine with those. I'll wear them out until I get new ones. 
I got tempted to buy some shoes. I didn't want to buy shoes for 40 bucks, which was a good price, but I still didn't want to buy shoes. But I was sure tempted to buy shoes. Now today I'm happy to buy them because I didn't have to spend $40 to buy shoes that I don't need. I don't need another pair of shoes. You know, some of you people here, you gotta have 15 dresses. I mean, if you're a girl, you got 15 dresses, why? I don't understand that. And some of you guys, you're gonna to have to have all these kinds of, how many pairs of shoes must you have anyway? Is your last name Marcos? <laughs> um, listen to this. This goes into the proud of life aspect, but some celebrities and some fashions, they're going to have to have the very best in the world. Listen to this. Uh, Ferragamo, customizable uh, Shimaza men's shoes. Listen to this one. I'll write the number now because this is unbelievable. Italian shoes. Let me read it to you again. Ferragamo. Never heard of Ferragamo. I heard about Vince Ferragamo. They football for the Los Angeles Rams back in the 70s. Ferragamo customizable Trimaza, Trimiza men's shoes up to $13,500. I forgot to tell you, that's for one shoe. What? No, just kidding. It's for a pair. That is outrageously expensive. Some people got to have that. They got to have that. Prada. The Prada top handle D2 ostrich leather handbag. <laughs> leather handbag. Ostrich. Ostrich. Poor ostrich. You want to buy one of those bags, Miranda? $10,200. I read also, because I don't know these things, I read also, I did some research, I read also about this certain kind of wedding dress uh, a certain celebrity wore. Uh, I didn't recognize her name, but it cost her $380,000. <laughs> a half shoulder, something, whatever. I don't know. Are you serious? $380,000 for a wedding dress. I can't imagine what the wedding reception costs. I can't imagine any other things. I mean, that's out of this world. That is just not necessary. So all of this, the lust of the flesh, it's a very powerful thing. You have to have some self-control if and you cannot provide for it. You cannot you cannot hold you cannot hold hands with things that will get you to do more just holding hands. You can't do that. And then he says, uh, besides lust of the flesh in verse number 16, the lust of the eyes. Let me just quickly say something about that. this kind of goes together, the lust of the eyes. It's obvious what he's talking about. It's obvious that uh, this can lead you to all kinds of devilment, the wandering eyes. The pornography, the, the looking at, leading to thoughts that are unholy thoughts. Uh, there's a man in the Bible. And if you can't figure that one out, I don't know where you've been. There's a man in the Bible who he placed his tent toward a certain place. And every day he woke up, flipped that. Can I continue? Can I, can I? He flipped open his tent in the morning. He yawned. He looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah. And at night, he heard the drums. He heard the music. He saw the, the, the flickering lights in the city. And he just imagined what it's like to be there in Vegas. <laughs> and yes, it was. Uh, it was this man here. And boy, did his wife pay for it. Did he pay for it too? 
There's nothing good about him looking in the wrong place. And that's a problem. The Bible says in Psalm 101 verse 3, I will sit in the wicked thing before mine eyes. And you're going to have to be very cautious about to have some self-control. And then it says in verse number 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of life, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so, I just mentioned about the products that celebrities like to have. They must have it. Otherwise, uh, when they go to these openings, or these galas, or these um, Emmys, or what are some of the other musical awards, or whatever they go to, these big functions, you know that I am so disgusted with the sports world professionally because they have this annual celebration is to acknowledge themselves. Mm-hmm. They created a thing called the ESPYs to pat each other on the back. Right. Incredible. You talk about egomaniacs, they have this big thing sponsored by a network and it's all about, let's, let's talk about how great we are. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing missing are the feathers. You know the peacock? Yep. <laughs> that's all that's missing, the feathers. They, they give this silly award, these really wicked reward, awards to people who are just, I mean, yeah. trans, trans, transgenders. And uh, all this stuff is just, that's the world. What do you expect? That's the world. Proud of life. Look at my shoes. Look at my shoes. <laughs> Look at these shoes here. Crocodiles. Ostrich leather. Mm-hmm, right. Look at my shoes. Look at my shoes. Look at that. I mean, some people, when they enter a function, a room, they are so conscientious about everything. I mean, I mean, it's the pride of life. Did you did you see what he was wearing? Did you see what she was wearing? I, she was wearing from so and so Versace, Versace, or V's, V's, Prada. Look, look, she was wearing. Yeah, and she was sequin and this and that. And the scriptures like, do, do we really care? They do care. Proud of life. And when you show up, you must be, you know, the man. Uh, by the way, you know these shoes where they came from. Would you like to know? Since we talk about proud of life. I spent a lot of money on these shoes. They came from Walmart two years ago. I looked long and hard for these shoes from Walmart. They're not real leather, but they look like leather. <laughs> Fooling you, right? <laughs> well, look at Pastor's coming with leather shoes. Wow, I live for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not feeling good today because no one complimented my shoes. <laughs> so my, my self-esteem has gone way down. And... Uh, my pride has just been hit really hard. I have to do something to get a better result next week. Now the antidote, the antidote for lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Listen to this. In John 18, 36, Jesus answered Pilate and said, My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So to deter from the part of life of this world, we realize we're not of this world. We have a different kingdom we strive for. And Colossians 3, let's look at this and then I'm done for the summer school. Colossians chapter 3. This is the antidote for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Colossians chapter 3. We'll read this together. This is such a good passage. 
And it, it just makes a nice conclusion for this morning's Sunday school lesson. Colossians chapter 3, look at verse number 1. All right, I want you to find it. I want you to see it. I want you to read with me. Verse number 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Amen. What a good, what a good, look at verse number five. Mortify therefore, and you can read that sometime. This is why we can have victory over the world, over the flesh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, because we seek for something else. And if you seek for the right things, which the things are above, you probably won't get caught up in the pride of life, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. You're going to have to be alert to not let it creep into your life. Watch out for the commercials that makes you want to get stuff that you don't need. Yeah, those shoes are tempting, but I don't need them. <laughs> All right, let's pray and dismiss this class. Thank you, Father, for your word. Uh, bless it to our hearts and to our heads. And help us, Father, to remember we're here, but we don't belong here. We're in this world, but not of this world. Our kingdom is not of this world. We're not of this world system. May we abstain properly. May we live and strive for the things that we should strive for. May we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen.